Well, it is good to welcome you here this morning, and there's absolutely um, no greater topic than knowing that it is well with your soul. It's so critical that you are at that place in your spiritual journey where you're where you need to be with the Lord. Critical. I just buried a 32-year-old this week, and um, went by this, buried him, and went with his family down to Sparta C- uh, Cemetery in Kimmel. And as I was going into the cemetery, I've been here about 17 years now, so I just started pointing, just in my mind, I'm looking at all the tombstones. I did that one, 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 did that one. So many trips, so many sad trips to Kimmel. And, um, and when, I, when we got there, he was buried by his mother, and his mother was born in 1965. I was born in 1968. So now I'm burying, burying children and, uh, who are dying and their, and their parents are my age. It gives you a wake-up call. It's kind of interesting how that goes. And that's all we need, grief share and ministries like that to help people through these very difficult places. And um, it was interesting that um, one of the relatives of the 32-year-old man that died he had a niece and and his name was Austin and his niece could not say his name properly when she was just a little wee little one and Uncle Austin came out Uncle Awesome so she called him Uncle Awesome and uh, when I look at you this morning I think of awesomeness you're awesome Thank you so much for who you are and your walk with God and your love for the Lord. It really is so important to walk with him and be awesome in that way. And you're awesome. You work hard. Had a barn, not a barn raising, but a barn, a barn lowering yesterday. And that went well. No one maimed so far as I know. And um, so thank you so much um, for your work and labor that way. And thank you so much for staying with me in this series on the book of Daniel it's just an incredible series Uh, there's so many so many things to consider in a book like this and you've stayed with it and today my hope is to actually wrap up um, the book of Daniel We'll, we'll be in Daniel chapter 12 this morning and then perhaps next week I'll give you a postscript uh, we'll just return to a minor theme within Daniel, and that will wrap it up. But today we do the primary wrap-up here today. Um, I think what, what we see in the final chapter of Daniel is the importance of identity. When we started this series, we started a series where uh, Daniel's identity was threatened He basically was middle school age. He was deported out of his home, out of everything that he knew, to a foreign place about 750 miles to the east called Babylon. And now, that was Daniel chapter 1, and now in Daniel chapter 12, he's in his mid-80s. There's been visions and prophecies. There's been uh, experiences and encounters, incredible experiences and encounters. And here he is by a river, with a final vision in Daniel's 10, 11, and 12, a final vision that God gave him to wrap up his ministry and his life. 
And the question is, did Daniel stay firm in his identity? Uh, your identity is so important. It's who you are. It's who made you. Uh, it is what he's called you to do. It is your sense of place in the world. Our identity is so critical. And they did their very best to cheat Daniel out of his identity, to take his identity from him. They changed his name. Um, they sent him to Babylonian University. They messed with his worldview perspectives, his core beliefs. Um, they threatened his life. They tried to execute him in the lion's den. Um, they um, disoriented him. And the question is, did Daniel stay faithful to his identity, his God-oriented identity that he was created by God and that God has had his hand on his life and he's directed his steps and that he's pleased God even in a foreign land. And I think it's interesting if we pull up on the screen, uh, ver uh, Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, we'll read off 13 verses in just a moment. But you look at verse 4, you're going to see the word or the name Daniel, but you, Daniel. If you go to verse 5, you'll see Daniel. If you go to verse 9, Daniel chapter 12, verse 9, you're going to see the name Daniel. You're not going to see the name Belteshazzar. You see the name Belteshazzar in Daniel 1, Daniel 2, multiple times in Daniel 4 and 5. You see it in Daniel 10. Belteshazzar is the name, it means Bel protects his life, and that was the name that they tried to change Daniel's name to. You're not, we're not going to call you Daniel anymore. We're not going to call you Daniel or God is my judge, Danny L, L, shortened form of Elohim, God, Danny or Denny, judge, God is my judge. That was his name from the earliest of, of, of memory and recollection. Daniel was his name, and they tried to change his name to Belteshazzar, trying to shift his identity, trying to shift and mess with his purpose in life. And here we are at the end of Daniel 12, and three times he is called Daniel, Daniel. God is my judge. I can just see him as a 14-year-old middle school student. He's on his way being deported out of the city of Jerusalem. His parents, Daniel's mom and dad, Daniel, we love you. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. You're Daniel. God is your judge. No matter where you go, whatever they do, whatever schools they enroll you in, whatever worldview they try to stamp you with, you are Daniel. Don't you forget it, Daniel. You stay with this. The last time they ever saw their son, 14 years old, on his way out of Jerusalem, never to see his home again. He was buried in Susa, about 85 years of age or so, 85 to 90 years of age, never made it home. And what we read in Daniel 12, he's still Daniel. Belteshazzar never took it never it never grabbed him he's still Daniel God created Daniel with a purpose and meaning and you know when Jewish people named their children uh, meaning was important 
So they named them names that they would want their children to live up to the name. And his mom and dad wanted to uh, Im- just Im- wanted him to embrace the sense of responsibility to God. And you've done this. All three of my kids will tell you, one of my parting, some of you have said goodbye to some of your high school seniors. You graduated, now they're off to college. You've sent them to college, you dropped them off. And you think about that final, those final words and those final hugs and, and the, tr- as you transition away. And, and like with all three of my kids, remember who you are. You remember where you come from. Remember who made you. Remember who's cheering for you, who's invested in you, who loves you. You remember that. In short, remember your name. Hey, whatever it took. I wanted to put a little fear trembling in them too because it's like, okay, you're on your own. You're flying this plane by yourself. But I wanted them to know. It's like, remember who you are. Remember your name. And, and, and Daniel remembered his name. And so when you named a, a child, you named them names that you would, hopefully they would, the, the meaning that's embedded in the name, they would live up to their name, that sometimes you would name a child and you would honor um, your family heritage and you name them after a relative and that would tie you to your family story and that perhaps someday you'll grow up and maybe you'll be on the bank of a river in a foreign land at 85 years of age thinking about the past, wondering about if you've fulfilled the mission that God gave you, if you lived up to your name, if you were honorable to your family heritage and legacy. Did you succeed? Did you honor God with your life? And what you're going to see is Daniel still Daniel and he has a vision of a pre-incarnate Jesus in a post-incarnate state of glory and he's like this over the river of the Tigris which used to run through the Garden of Eden but you have Jesus over the Tigris River just like this not just one hand up we'll see this in a second just stay with me you got two hands up you see that reflection in the river big incredible uh, theophany and Christophany where Jesus shows up and he's there and he blesses this life Daniel you stayed with it man you lived up to your name you kept your identity a name a meaning of a name is important you honor your family heritage in, in what you name a child and then like I said a name ties you to the story of your birth And the story of Daniel's birth, God is my judge. His parents raised him to love and honor and fear God and walk with God. And Daniel lived up to his name. And I'm just going to share with you, if we go to the title slide one more time, this title slide says, you're living in the lion's den, the people of God in exile. Remember your name. Remember your name who you are, where you've come from, the church that loves you, that's cheering for you, the identity we've stamped you with in this series, the challenge we've put before you, the worldview perspectives that's so important that we adopt to know how to navigate this time. And when you get to your finish line and it comes time to bless your life that you lived up to the name that God has given you, and Daniel's called a couple of times in this book, um, highly esteemed you are highly esteemed if you live according to your identity in God you are highly esteemed more literally your God's preciousness those who stay faithful 
and their God-oriented identity are highly esteemed, just like Daniel. You're precious before him. Not everybody's going to be standing with you at your finish lines of life. You're going to lose some people along the way. It's a people of God in exile. It's living life in a post-truth culture. It's living in, in, in a culture where, that does not value the things that you value, that has no connection with a sense of identity and purpose. In fact, the world's searching for identity and purpose. And maybe you've been searching for identity and purpose and trying to maybe find identity in the wrong things. We come to this end of Daniel and we see a man who has stayed faithful. With the echoing words of that mother and that father, 85 years or 90 years ago, 14 at the time, so maybe 75 years prior to this time by his, his final vision here down by the River Tigris. Perhaps he thinks about that moment when his mommy and daddy told him, remember who he was, and he did. There's no greater legacy. But when we look at uh, Daniel chapter 12, it's interesting because Daniel 10 is the, is the prologue. It tells you, and we dealt with this last week, where Daniel has this incredible vision. He received three special touches from a, post -inc uh, a pre incarnate vision of Christ in his post incarnate glory. He sees Jesus, Jesus, and a moment of angels. There's angels, and there's Jesus, and they touch him. And, and then he gives the vision in chapter 11. In chapter 11, it was future to Daniel, it's, it's in the past for us. Daniel 11, and he talks about a lot of different miscellaneous wars and kings that rise up, and Israel's going to be in the crosshairs of that. And by the time we get to the end of, of Daniel chapter 11, you see that Daniel speeds forward. He skips forward uh, to a time when Antichrist will rise up and begin to attack and persecute and try to destroy the people of God. And the Israel of God to whom he has made promises and covenants. And he will be faithful to fulfill them. And so Daniel's questions are, will we survive? Will our identity be totally wiped out? Will our people be obliterated? Will they be annihilated? And, 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 and if we survive, how will we survive? And not only that, if we survive, how long will it be, Lord? How long will it be before the kingdom comes and that that you rule and reign on planet in real time and God gives his faithful servant insight and answers to those questions in fact uh, in Daniel chapter 12 verse 1 the very very first three words at that time what time well we have to go back to Daniel chapter 11 verses 36 through 45 and we look and we see he's talking about the ascendancy of Antichrist during a final half of a seven-year tribulational period. And we looked at that in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. And we talk about the 70th week of Daniel. The 70th week of Daniel and how that this final seven-year period of time, this final week in Daniel's... Um, eschatological calendar and plan there's this final week and the and the final three and a half years of this seven-year tribulational period is a time of intense persecution on the people of israel 
the Antichrist will have set up an abomination of desolation, it says in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. An abomination of desolation in the Jewish temple. You know, it's kind of interesting if we look at, uh, go to slide 21 for me. Slide 21, Matthew 24 says, and for then there will, this is Jesus speaking, there will be a great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again. So Jesus called it a great distress. What is this great distress? What is this abomination of desolation that Daniel writes about in Daniel 11, also in Daniel 9, verse 27? What, what is it that he's referencing? Well, let me break it down for you. So the phrase abomination of desolation, it simply means the Antichrist will desecrate the temple, the existing temple at the time. He will desecrate or he will have an abomination, that's the abomination part, and because he desecrates this rebuilt Jewish temple in the final days, the Jewish people will stay out of it. That's the desolation part of it. And so there's a desecration of all things Jewish and religious. There's, a, there's a, an abomination and there's a desolation. They abandon it because it's not within the specifications according to Judaism. And for the final three and a half years of this seven-year period, the Jewish people will endure a specialized persecution that will funnel into world war. And it will be a Satan-inspired persecution. And there's a reason why. If we look at verse 1, back to verse 1 of, of Daniel 12, Michael, the great prince, that is an archangel, who is given the responsibility of protecting the Israeli people. He will, he will arise. We read in Revelation where when he arises, there's battle in the heavens. Michael defeats all opposition and, and Satan is cast out of the heavens. He's cast down to the earth according to Revelation. And he creates a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of nations until now. There's a, a worldwide global persecution of the Israeli people, of the Jewish people. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Everyone who's remembered who they are, their name will be written. You know, this time of distress that Daniel writes about here in Daniel 12, 1, it's commonly labeled the Great Tribulation. And Jesus, as I said, calls it the Great Distress. And if we look at the Great Tribulation uh, time period, Satan will attempt to exterminate every descendant of Abraham. Why will he do that? Well, it ties to a very clear passage in Matthew 23 Verses 37 through 39. If you go to slide 19 for me, I'll show you this. That Satan will endeavor to, to destroy, totally annihilate the Israeli people. Because if there is no Israel to ask for him to come back, he is thus safe for all eternity. Because he says he will not come back until they ask for him to come back. Look at this, Matthew 23. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jesus is speaking on the screen. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. It's like me saying, oh, Washington, D.C., oh, Washington, D.C. The city stands for the nation. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jesus says. 
you who kill the prophets and stone those that are sent to you. How often, he says, I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I wanted to remind you of who your name is, that you are highly esteemed, that you are precious, that you are chosen, that you are beloved, that I had a special purpose for you and your life in the world and for your nation. I long to remind you of what, of what your name was and is. And you would not. He says, look on the screen, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, he's talking to the nation of Israel, okay? Old Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the whole nation. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's a messianic psalm. And Daniel, and Jesus quotes it here. And now we understand what's up because if there is no Israel to ask for Christ to come back, he can't return as promised because his his return is contingent upon the repentance of the nation of Israel. It will not happen. The second coming proper will not happen until they say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so all of these years and what Daniel was seeing in his visions was the realization that there's a very real satanic presence in the world to destroy the very people who the second coming is contingent upon, whose repentance is contingent upon their repentance. His second coming, the coming, the second coming of the Lord is contingent upon a national repentance. And now we understand the Holocaust. Now we understand the satanic oppression. Now we understand why the Bible writes about this intense time of persecution against a, a people group based on their ethnicity to destroy them because when they repent, watch out, God moves. It starts the eschatological clock. We go to verse 2. Multitudes who sleep, this is slide 11, chapter 12, Daniel 12, 2. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. And so there's going to be a resurrection. Those who are wise, verse 3, remember their name, right? Those who remember their name, who remember their identity, that they are the people of God. They will shine like the brightness of the heavens during even the tribulation. They will shine and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, slide 12. You, Daniel, roll up and seal the words of the scroll. Don't let this thing get away from you, Daniel. You've been faithful all this many years. So shut up the scroll. Preserve it. Seal it. Make it secure. It's a, it's a sealed document. Don't hide. Uh, uh, it's not to hide it, but it's to preserve it and authenticate it and to validate it and not change it. It's an unchangeable text. And down through time, it will be preserved and unaltered until the day that actually the seal is broken. Revelation talks about that. And God's plan for the ages is unleashed and rolls out. 
Until the time of the end, many will go here and there to increase knowledge. Many going here and there. It's an Hebrew idiom. It's, it suggests a frantic and futile pursuit of something elusive. Tell me my name. Somebody tell me my name. Tell me my identity. Remind me of my story. Tell me my purpose in the world. It, it, it's here and there. It's a frantic search. People are looking for insight into the, the meta narrative of the ages. They want to know how history resolves and, 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 and the, the plan that God has in place. Sounds like a lot of people today, doesn't it? A lot of people today are looking, searching. Tell me who I am. Tell me who I am. You know, there's a um, someone... I follow on social media, and she says, I'm former woke, I'm new age, I was a lost soul, I turned follower of the way, and for months, she says, my body has been in, con in a constant state of flight or fight. She, she says, I woke up with a heart pounding out of my chest every morning over nine months, uh, she says, things finally became clear to me. I had, I had harmed every person in my life I, I thought I cared about. And I turned a new age, and I prayed to the universe, and I was offered a new name, and I was ready to sell my soul, and, and I was downloading the secrets of the universe for fame and riches. She was promised for this. And she said, I, God met me and he called me out of that insanity in the final hour right before I was going to sell my soul to this. He revealed himself in Jesus to me and I got saved and I was, I was addicted to attention and validation from men, she says. And I, and I had no identity, identity apart from who, uh, from who men told me that I was. And that what they thought of me, and she said, I dressed in a way to get their attention and to give them whatever they wanted and, and to, for them to tell me my name. And now she says, I only seek God. He is my portion, and he's more than enough. She says, if I can redeem, if God can redeem a liar, a thief, a fornicator, an adulterer, an idolater, you can be redeemed. You can be redeemed. And so it's like today we are going here and there looking for someone to tell us our name. And there's coming a time in history where people will be looking, tell us the story, tell us, remind us of who we are. It'll be a frantic search. Pastor, preach it again. Tell us the story. Verse 5 says, Then I, Daniel, I looked, and there before me stood two others, one on this bank of the river and one on the opposite bank. These two angels serve as witnesses, and they're there, and they're, and they're ready to witness something that, that, uh, that's going to resurface from uh, Daniel chapter 10. It's the, this man in linen that appeared in Daniel chapter 10, which is a pre-incarnate appearance of a post-incarnate Jesus in his glory and he's there at the river, and verse 6 says, slide 13, one of them said to the man clothed in linen, here he is, Jesus shows up, he's clothed in linen, and, and he who is above the waters of the river, how long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? One of the angels asked of him. And the man clothed, verse 
7. The man clothed, he's clothed in linen, which is the garment of a priest who was above the waters of the river, and he lifted his right hand, and he's making an oath, oath, and it's a promise. He's going to tell the truth. He's going to swear to the truth. And he raises his right hand, and he makes a promise. And then, but, but he doesn't just stop there. He raises another hand, and his left hand is toward heaven. And so he's got two hands in the air. One hand is like the witness of the court. And now there's another hand that's to the heavens. And it's like a, now he's like a priest presiding over, a Jewish priest presiding over this, what's happening here down by the Tigris River. It's interesting, we read in Luke 24 when Jesus had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany right after the resurrection, before the ascension. He lifts up his hands, Luke tells us, and he blesses them. And so he blesses them here. He's blessing here not just a a person taking an oath who's promising to accomplish all that is written in the book of Daniel, but now he raises another arm into the air and he's a a priest blessing the life of a man and blessing not only the life of a man, but the life uh, of a man who has given the promises, his promises and his plans for the world. He's saying, yes, it's going to come true. It's going to happen just like Daniel has written it. And furthermore, I bless his life. And I swear, and he says, I heard him swear by him who lives forever saying, it will be for a time, times, and half a time. When the power of the holy people has finally been broken, all these things will be completed. The shattering of the power of the holy people. When rebellion has run its course. And the, and the, the final half of that seven year period comes to a close. Israel will come to a place where they will repent. And when there's the shattering, the power of the holy people. And when that happens, the second coming proper will take place. And we're not talking about the rapture of the church. We're talking about his plan. The rapture of the church can happen at any time. But we're talking about God's plan for Daniel's people. Verse 8 says, I heard, but I did not understand. And so I asked my Lord, what will the outcome of all this be? And he replied, go your way, Daniel. In other words, get on with your life. What remains of it? God has given you a glimpse of coming glory, and he will set things right, and your reward is coming. But for now, go your way, because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made spotless, and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. Those who have forgotten their name will continue to forget their name and who they are. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. Gives Daniel a little more insight. Verse 11. From the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. 1,290 days. You know, in Revelation, we read about 1,260 days. And so we've got an additional 30 days that are listed here that people kind of scratch their head over it's like revelation talks about 42 months in revelation 11 it talks about 
1,260 days in Revelation 11. And here it is, 1,290 days. What is God doing? Some suggest that the 30-day extension beyond the end of the tribulation allows for the judgment of Israel and the judgment of the nations. Everybody will be held accountable for how they have lived their life, what they've done with Jesus, and how they've treated his people, especially in the time of tribulation. And finally, verse 12, like a priest, here comes the blessing. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. So there's another 45 days added beyond the 30. And so what we see is, is that there's, at the end of the 1,260 days, Jesus returns. At the end of the 1,290 days, his government is officially installed. And at the end of the 1,335 days, the nations are judged and the necessary preparations are made for a millennial reign where he, Jesus Christ, will be exalted and lifted up in human history and rule and reign over the entire world verse 13 slide number 18 as for you go your way till the end get back to your job Daniel finish your work work right there in in Persia for the king Cyrus and your employer. Live your life, Daniel. Go about your business and leave the future to me. Live according to my word and my will. Go your way. You do what you've, you, you've been asked to do. You're an older man now, and, you've, and, and you keep on keeping on. Your strength is waning, but keep on. And persecution and tribulation are going to come for you and your people. But keep on, and when the life on earth is over, look at the text. You will rest. It's a euphemism for death. You may die here, Daniel, but at the right time, at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. No more revelations are going to be given. You have what you need. Now live your life. Honor your God. Continue to live according to your name that God has given you. Daniel served God as an exile in a pagan world and living in the lion's den, the people of God in exile. You have to be willing, like I said, to be disliked in this world and stand for what you believe in and not everyone will be standing with you at the finish line. And Daniel worked a high-end government job, we see. And he, and he was, the government wrote rules that attempted to outlaw his faith even. And yet, Daniel was faithful. He wasn't intimidated. He stayed with his God-oriented identity. He stayed with his name. From a middle-aged student to a, to a senior adult, in the latter years of his life, down by a river, he stayed faithful. He stayed true to his identity. We began this series by talking about remembering your name your true identity. And I go to the world of, of a favorite uh, family movie, perhaps in your family, The Lion King, slide 25. And maybe uh, you have um, seen this movie, I think it was back in the 90s. And uh, The Lion King is so powerful because it's really about identity. And The Lion King was the leader of this vast domain right under his authority. Life was good for all the animals. 
And, but, and during his reign, the kingdom shined brightly and prospered. And there was plenty of food and water and lush green landscape. And it was all incredible. And his son, Simba, remember Simba the son? All right, you have Mufasa the dad, the Lion King. He had Simba the son. Uncle Scar was Mufasa's brother, the evil brother. And he burned with jealousy. And so he arranges to kill uh, Mufasa, the true Lion King. And he blames it on his son, Simba. And... Uh, the little lion cub panics. And he, he thought his dad's death was his fault, and so he ran away. And Scar convinced him it was his fault. And with the lion king now dead and the sun gone, the evil lion took over the reign of the land, and the entire region soon became dark and desolate. You remember this in the movie? The pale shade of gray. It replaced the kingdom's bright colors, and the sun lion cub ran until he reached some strange land where he lived with a warthog and a meerkat. You remember the story. He learned to be carefree, and the, and the cub lived in the jungle, and he ate plants and bugs, and he was blissfully, blissfully ignorant of his, of his identity. And he got older, and he began to struggle with the guilt of the past and the shame from his past. And he sat outside the forest one evening and he tried to make sense of the emptiness in his heart. And he encounters an odd baboon. And the baboon seemed to know more about him than he knew about himself. And finally in frustration, the grown-up lion cub demanded some answers about how he could possibly know so much about him. How the baboon could know him so well. And the most powerful scene of the movie, the baboon told Simba the lion his father was still alive. And Simba thought, well, how can this be true? Maybe after all these years, the rightful king of the jungle is still alive? And the baboon agrees to show the lion where his dad was. And he leads him to the river and he told him to look into the water. And the young lion is saddened because he looks into the water and he peered into the water, and it began to ripple. And as he stared intently into the water, he sees the face of his, of his dad, Mufasa. And the baboon explains to him, your dad is still living inside you. You've been stamped with his identity. And for years, the young lion had forgotten who he truly was. And in that moment, his identity as the king's son was unmistakable. He knew he had to return and reclaim the kingdom that was rightfully his. Watch this.
Isn't that awesome? So you got Daniel down by the river and it's Tigris. He's on his hands and knees. He's received all of this information about his people and what's going to happen. And he knows that God has given him a God identity and a purpose in life and his mission. And he's wondering, have I fulfilled the mission? God, have I had my identity in the right things? Was I faithful? Was I true? And he's looking down in the reflection in the water, as it were, kind of like, kind of like Simba was looking into the water, and he ripples and he sees the reflection of his father and, and the, the true king. And Daniel is kind of down by that Tigris River, and he's looking, and he's got all this heaviness on him. Uh, the persecution and, and, and the challenge of identity and the hatred and, and all that's going to happen in the world and to his people and his legacy and, and, and his posterity. And will they survive? And if so, for how long? And why is the world going like this? And, and, and why is history like this river? It just kind of meanders along and it seems to go different turns. And, 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 and can we swim across this thing? Can we go against the, the historical patterns and, and, and the prophetic plan? and he's got all of these things going through his head have I been faithful I'm an old man what's going to happen and he looks and suddenly he sees a reflection he looks up and there he is just like he's described he sees one not just one hand in the air but two Daniel you are Daniel God is my judge. You honored me. You lived for me. You've been faithful, Daniel. And I bless your life. You give to the world what I've given to you. Give it. I am, I am your identity. And maybe here today, you look into your life and your all the different challenges that you've had in your life all the different things that have caused you to question your life and the direction you've gone the decisions you've made all those things and this morning if you look and look closely you'll see that you are a child of the beloved you've been created by God he called you good you are the beloved you are highly esteemed you are my precious and when you remember that, when you remember your name, you live in, and live in light of your name. The Bible says, and it's even referenced here in Daniel chapter 12, everyone whose name is found written in the book, the text says in Daniel 12. When you remember your name, the one who is victorious, Revelation says, will like them be dressed in white, I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown in, into the lake of fire, Revelation 20 says. And that is how history, human history resolves. And then we are ushered into a millennial reign of the true Lion King, 
who comes and takes, and sometimes it feels like this world is all gray and we've lost the color. The uncle scars of our planet are having their way. The pride lands are in trouble. The hatred is on the rise. The hyenas are controlling. The jackals are in, are dominating. Sometimes it feels that way. But God calls up people like you, the precious, the beloved, the highly esteemed, the Daniels. The God is my judge, people. The God who people are honoring God with their lives. People who see his reflection. People who understand he's God. And that's so important not just to understand what the man hovering over the water in, in, the, in the Tigris River back many years ago there before Daniel. Not just what he has to say, but the fact that I have to have a relationship with him. And I have to know him because he stamps me with his identity. And I can be in Christ and know him and love him. And even though we are a people of God in exile, a people of God in a post-truth culture, living in the lion's den, we see the image of our Father and we reflect him and we love him and we walk with him. And he does his plan and purposes in our life. And someday you and I will hear those same words, rest, do, be strong, be strong, fulfill your duty. It'll be time to rest. And when we rest, there'll come a great day of awakening. And we will be resurrected into a new and a proper age. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you so much for giving us your word. And thank you so much for the plan of the ages. And we recognize here this morning that, that um, we are the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And that we are, the calling that we have this morning is to be ready at a moment's notice. Because you can show up at any time. Nothing needs to happen for you to show up and, and uh, call your bride home for a great marriage supper of the Lamb. Father, we want to be ready for that. And we want to have our hearts ready, and we want to just not just work our jobs. We want to work our jobs, but we want to have a, um, we want to watch the skies as well. Because we know that um, you are at work in our world, and, and uh, you are accomplishing a plan. And so we thank you, Father, for the opportunity to be the bride of Christ. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to walk with you and to be stewards of these promises uh, of God to the world, to Israel in particular, and to the world in general. Um, we are stewards of these promises. We hold them dear. We let this story shape our stories. And Father, we want to see your reflection in our lives. And we want to see your reflection. And we want to live that identity. And we want to remember who we are and not forget it because who we are will determine the decisions that we make. And so, for, Lord, we thank you, and then we pray in particular for the people of Israel. We know that the future for them, it, when we look at prophetically, it, it looks so dark and so uh, challenging and so confusing and so uh, such a fearful thing. And we just pray for your people that you would bring them to a place of repentance. 
bring them to a place of crying out to you and calling on your name and so, such that they will say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They will call out, and perhaps that needs to happen in some of our hearts and lives today, that we will bless the name of the Lord, and we will live for him and open up our hearts to him and invite him in and to know this, this man in linen that hovers over the tigress. Lord, Father, we pray for this. We ask and pray that no matter how things go in the days ahead, that we would never, ever, ever come against your people. That we would never uh, come between you and your fulfillment of your promises. And that when, when hatred is released in the world, in whatever form or function that it comes, that we would be a people, the bride of Christ, who would love your people. And we would embrace your people and be there for your people. And not just your people, but for all the ethnicities and nations of the world, that we would be a, a, the bride of Christ who loves and who takes care of those who are the beloved, those who, are, who have been chosen for a special purpose. So, Father, we thank you. We pray you would guide us here this morning. There's some maybe that's forgotten their name. Maybe there's been false labels slapped onto them, labels like uninvited, Labels like failure, labels like um, hated or unloved, um, labels like a castaway or a throwaway, whatever labels, Father, that has been slapped onto their life, that this morning they would see the face of their Father, who they are a child of the King, and they have been relabeled and renamed, and they are your precious. They are highly esteemed people of God living in exile for the glory of God. Father, we ask that you would accomplish your purposes in them and through them today. And bless this body of believers as we endeavor to be an outpost for your kingdom in the world. We ask all these things in your strong name, we pray. Amen. You have been an incredible group. Would you stand with me this morning? Next week, a shortened service. So, uh, 1045, we'll wrap it up and we'll go downtown. So God bless you. Have a great week and uh, we'll see you soon.